Summer is the season for people to collect seashells, whether they be children at a beach or the emperor of Japan. Emperor Hirohito, who ruled over Japan during the invasion of China and the attack on Pearl Harbor, perhaps felt more himself beachcombing along Sagami Bay than he did in the Imperial War Room. He was an amateur marine biologist, an expert on hydroids, and a great lover of seashells. Of the 1,121 shell species he collected, 104 were new to science. Cuban revolutionary Fidel Castro was also smitten with seashells. Castro's weakness for them was so well known that the CIA sought to exploit it in an assassination plot. Declassified documents show the agency considered booby-trapping a particularly rare and marvelous shell, and having a frogman nestle it in the sands of a diving spot he was known to frequent. A shell can be money, jewelry, medicine, or a multinational oil and gas company. In 1833, a London antique dealer named Marcus Samuel started importing seashells from the Far East to cash in on the fashion for chinoiserie. His sons inherited the business, became interested in oil exports, and the rest is swimming in the Gulf of Mexico. In 1835, a subterranean passage lined with 4.6 million shells was discovered along the coast of Kent. Who or what was behind these millions of mussels, cockles, limpets, scallops, and oysters, hidden away, much like its source material, in intricate patterns and astrological designs? No one knows for sure. Some say it was the Knights Templar, others the Phoenicians. But everyone feels the lack of sacred guidance. Perhaps that's why we're so drawn to the seashell, which stores the sound of the ocean inside its stomach like a music box, which seems to reverberate to a frequency beyond time. Never mind that the same effect can be produced by cupping a hand over your ear. St. Lucian poet Derek Walcott once wrote about gifting conch shells to his daughters. They use them as doorstops or bookends, he writes. But their wet pink palettes are the soundless singing of angels. Hindus blow on a conch shell to welcome in deities before worshipping. Pilgrims along the Camino de Santiago mark their backpacks with scallop shells. Every seashell is an orphan and a fortress, a soul and a skeleton, a refuge and a passenger, something to come out of and something to crawl back into. Not quite alive, not quite dead. Not of the land, but drawn towards it. The seashell is a relic of eternity. listening to Have We Met Before. My name is Kasia, and these are stories of people I can't forget. He was selling seashells out of a backpack on Haywood's beach. 
I used to pace up and down this beach from end to end. The south led to a shuttered seafood restaurant, and the north to the wealthy expat enclave of Port St. Charles. In between was the Spitestown Jetty and an abandoned beach resort, since sold to Sandals, but yet to be redeveloped. He had shrewdly positioned himself near the marina parking lot. This is where the tourist money flowed in. He held a skull-sized shell in each hand, with his fingers curled inside their bellies. He extended a beshelled arm toward me as I marched past. He was smiling from here to Venezuela. As a white woman, I was prime customer material. Are you a shell lover? he asked, in the same tone that waiters ask, Did you leave room for dessert? Like they're daring to speak your deepest, darkest desire out into the open. Not particularly, I said, uninterested in slowing down for a sales pitch. Wait, wait! Just stop and have a look. Hold it. Holding's free. Now sit with that for a minute and tell me you don't fall in love. I stopped. It wasn't his pushiness. I was born with my heels dug five inches into the ground, but something underneath it. I put out both hands and he carefully deposited a shell into them. It was a fine shell, I thought, with rich creams and browns rippling over its spiky surface. There were six main angles from which you could marvel at a seashell like this one. The diver's eye view from above, the thin-tooth aperture from underneath, from the apex jutting out like a cathedral spire, from the delicate swoop of the siphonal canal from behind, and from either side, where each base is marked with its own variation on the tiger-stripe pattern. A shell like that is dangerous. Whole hours will be lost to its castellations, with you carried away on the undertow, unable to decide which of its views is lovelier. I had zero intention of buying, but I decided to take this opportunity, while posing as a potential buyer, to add another character, if not a shell, to my growing collection. What kind of shell is this? I asked. Ah, the Queen's Helmet. He delivered this line like he was acting in a play. The Queen's Helmet, I echoed back, admiring the title. I held it over my head like a halo. How much do you fetch for one of these? Fifty to a hundred, depending on the size. U.S. or Bayesian? U.S., he said growing serious about the brow. Wow. And does it come with a title? What? he asked. Just teasing, I said, holding the fragile piece of armor up to my ear. He forced a laugh. You're funny, he said, and pointed at me. I could be anything I wanted to be, so long as I appeared to have money. Though I'm not immune to the romance of seashells, I was less interested in the shell than in the person hawking it to me. Tyrico, as he later introduced himself, wore blue swim trunks and a heather-gray t-shirt. He had his back to the sea, with one foot up on a fallen tree trunk and an elbow leaning on his thigh. He shook his leg, he shimmied his spare hand, he bobbled his shoulders, alternating between left and right. He was always in motion, but it wasn't the nervous kind. If you told me he had recently transfigured from a fish into a man, I would have believed it. He smiled at everyone, he waved at everyone, he knew everyone. He looked more at ease in the world than a mosquito in an orchid garden. I remember wanting to see his eyes, but he wore mirrored sunglasses that only reflected me back to myself. So, is this your main gig? I asked. Nah, I make most of my money off surfboards. You sell them? Rent them, he corrected. You surf? 
Sorta, I said. Only started since I moved here. I'm not renting a board from you, if that's what you're asking. No, 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 no. He waved me off, laughing harshly, as though profit were the furthest thing from his mind. You live here? He flipped up his sunglasses, and I saw that the whites of his eyes were streaked with red. Indefinitely. In Spice Town. For the moment. No way. I would have seen you before. I come here every day. So do I, and I've never seen you. I don't believe it. There's a lot of people, especially with the holidays. But you, I would have remembered. Why don't you sell these down in Holtown? I asked, changing the subject. I shook the shell in my hand like a tambourine. You'd make twice what you're making up here. He nodded. Sometimes I do, but, eh, it's a bus ride away. Bus ride costs three fifty. You'd more than make it back. Yeah, I don't know. This is my beach. This is my spot. I admired this about the island. It was not entrepreneurial. There were certainly those that loved their foreign cars and their fancy watches. But for the most part, I think, people made enough to live, and then they lived. Well, I'll leave you to your spot then, I said, passing off the shell and readjusting the strap of my beach bag in the universal body language of, it's time to go. Hey, want to go for a swim later? He grabbed the corner of his t-shirt with three fingers and tugged at it suggestively. Maybe. I leaned my head back to feel the sunshine. I like to wait until my skin is practically burning. Then I go in. Oh yeah, that's the only way to do it, he said. I'll come find you. If you can, I teased, breaking away, and continued my solitary stroll along the beach. Tyrico found me that day, and almost every day after. I don't want to bother you if you're reading, he would say, taking a seat on the corner of my beach towel. I don't know where people got the idea that if they started out by saying, I don't want to blank, and then did exactly whatever they said they didn't want to do, that you wouldn't hold it against them. But it was hard to fault Tyrico for his interruptions. He would bribe me with bottles of water and currant rolls from the PRC bakery, which I would inhale quickly before the sugar ants got to them. We would banter nonsensically until the sun had turned us into molten lava. Only then would we get in the water, per our mutual agreement. We liked to swim to a rocky outcrop about half a mile or so from the shore, and then stand tall atop the flat rocks just inches below the surface to feel as though we were standing on the water itself. He was the better swimmer and would always make it there first, waiting by the edge to help me up, pointing out any extra mossy parts that might cause me to slip. Don't do this alone, he'd warn me, but of course I did it alone. Boats are supposed to watch for the swimmers inside that buoy, but they don't. Once, on the swim back, he dove for a sand dollar and taught me how to dry it out properly. Even sitting out on a paper towel in my kitchen windowsill in the full sunshine, it still took several days to fully die. I felt guilty that he had wrenched it from the ocean floor killing it, for me. Did he poach his helmet shells too, I wondered? Is that why they were so perfect? Only after having our swim together could we get into an honest conversation. It was like something between us had to be washed away before intimacies could be exchanged. We talked about God, about crying on Christmas, about roasted breadfruit, about the smell of his dead mother's dresses, about the swell due to arrive Friday, about how long you can sit under the poisonous manchineel tree in a rainstorm, 
about Caribbean Israel finance and how he thought it was creepy, and of course, we talked all about seashells. I'd take the shells out of his backpack and arrange them around us in a protective circle. Which one is your favorite? he'd ask, basking in the sun with both hands behind his neck. That one, I said, pointing to the queen's helmet I'd held on the day we met. He lifted up his chin to see. Most people want the biggest, he remarked. But the colors are more intense on the smaller ones. I know, he said, pleased by this estimation. Those are my favorites, too. But you don't have favorites. You're a businessman. These are all widgets to you. Not always. I'm giving you that shell on old year's night. You are? There was supposed to be midnight fireworks on New Year's Eve, or old year's night, as they call it on the island. I was meeting Tyrico under the mahogany tree on Haywoods, where I always parked my book and towel, and we would watch them together. Afterwards, I planned on sleeping with him. Since moving to Barbados, I'd become so used to being propositioned by strangers that I hardly registered sex as a notable occurrence anymore. Looking back on my journal from this period, I would offhandedly mention, Oh, I went home with so-and-so, provide zero detail or explanation, and then proceed to ramble on about far less salacious subjects for four more pages, when such an event would have been a set piece in my life back in the States. This is a testament to the intoxicating power of geography, but also to my intense need to shed and acquire new shells whenever possible. I hadn't slept with Tyrico yet, but ever since we had absconded to a room in the abandoned Almond Beach Resort and done just about everything but, amidst the rewilding sea grape vines and green monkey squatters, sex had seemed inevitable. But the pandemic stuck a nose swab up mine and everyone's plans to carouse. A bunch of rich people had flown in to the island for Christmas, bribed their way out of quarantine, and now COVID was burning its way through the island's population. The bus crawls and massive Boxing Day beach parties hadn't helped. At the last minute, the Prime Minister moved up the fireworks and set an early curfew, preventing any proper celebration from going forward. Tyrico and I amended our plans and met up around seven. It was already dark and chilly. My hair was still slightly wet from my afternoon swim. He was waiting for me under the tree when I arrived, and handed me a bottle of warm deputy beer. He bought two for each of us. Deputy was no one's first choice, but the rum shop up the road had been all out of banks. Oh, and this, he said, retrieving my favorite of his seashells from his backpack. As promised, a helmet fit for a queen. You really don't have to give me this, I said. I know how much you can get for them. I felt required to say this, but damn, I wanted that shell. Cassia, please, I have more than enough. I'm swimming in seashells. We toasted to the starfish. We drank our warm beers, which were vaguely disgusting, and when the conversation dried up like a dead sand dollar, we moseyed down to the jetty to see what was up with the fireworks schedule. We'd been expecting them for over half an hour. Small groups stood distanced at about the small town pier, throwing out conjectures. Maybe we missed it. Maybe they canceled it. Maybe it's too early. A guy in a cowboy hat was fishing off the end. It was becoming a depressing scene, and I hadn't yet had dinner. I told Tyrico I was going to head home, eat something real quick, and then meet him back here later. I thought about inviting him over to my place, but I reckoned that I wouldn't be able to get him out in time for curfew, and I didn't want him spending the night. 
I could tell he wasn't pleased, but he rolled with it and started walking me back along the road. Here, you take this, I said, handing him back my second, unopened bottle of deputy. I'm not going to drink it. No, he said, moving away from it. I bought that for you. It's yours. But I'm not going to drink it, so you should have it, instead of it going to waste. No, he yelled, suddenly grabbing the bottle from my hands. If you won't have it, no one will. He threw it centimeters from my head, and I heard it explode on the trunk of a palm tree behind me. Don't look at me like that. Don't be afraid of me, he demanded, and I backed away as much as I could without making it extremely obvious how badly I wanted to run. I'm not afraid, I said, lying. I didn't think he was going to physically harm me, and I had a lot of experience dancing around red flags. But some were so garish that they couldn't be ignored. No matter the date on the calendar, or the bottle of champagne chilling in my mini-fridge, or the expectations of the night. I got away by promising that I would still return for the fireworks show, but I did not return. Tyrico apologized the next day, but things were never the same between us, though for a while we managed to pretend. That seashell embodied all the hope and promise of our nascent relationship, which crashed over us like a tidal wave minutes after him giving it to me. Barbados' COVID outbreak only got worse from there. In February, the government closed the beaches, except between the hours of 6 and 9 a.m. That's when I decided it was time for me to leave. I swaddled my seashell in a swimsuit and a white t-shirt and stowed it in my backpack for the plane ride home, saying a little prayer for its safe passage as I did. There was a moment of great anxiety as I unfurled the wrapping after my arrival, dreading the sight of it crumbled like the British monarchy. One of my cats knocked it off the mantle a couple months ago, but luckily it only chipped a little off the back end. Otherwise, the queen's helmet remains as regal and structurally sovereign as she was on the last night of last year. Eleven months and a little more have passed since then, but grains of sand still fall out of her as though she'd been kidnapped from her beachside throne just yesterday. I'll press one into the fleshy tip of my finger, hold it up to my eye and try to imagine that atomized grain in concert with its full form. A teardrop in the Caribbean, a single stitch in the tapestry of all time. The ocean never leaves you. Only you leave it. listening to Have We Met Before. Join me again in two weeks for a battle with the Chinese government. Theme music composed by John Hookstrap.